Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome, one and all, to Storybox, the place to be if you are a lover of stories learning, growth, anyone to improve your life. My name is Jay Phantom and I've made it my purpose to unbox and share the amazing stories from people of every profession all over the world. I am truly grateful that you have decided to listen in today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Welcome back to Storyblocks, my friends. Have I got a huge, huge episode and a huge guest for you guys today. Now, I've wanted to release this episode for months now, but because of the current pandemic, I have been waiting for this man's new books to arrive at my place. Now that I have them, I wanted to release this episode with something special too and, you know, uh, Christmas time is just around the corner. Literally, I believe it is on Friday, which is pretty exciting. So what I wanted to do is combine this incredible man's story and interview that we did with a amazing giveaway, which I'll get to very shortly. But who is my next guest? That is the that is the question, is it not? Patrick Bet David is his name. Now, if you don't know who this man is, you are going to get very well acquainted with this man's story in just a moment uh, through, through the interview that we did. But I'll read out a little bit of his bio for you just so you can get a bit of an overview of who I, who I get to speak to. Um, but Patrick's amazing story starts with his family immigrating to America when he was just 10 years old. His parents fled Iran as refugees during the Iranian Revolution and were eventually granted U.S. citizenship. After high school, Patrick joined the U.S. military and served in the 101st Airborne before starting a business career in the financial services industry. After a tenure with a couple of traditional companies, he was inspired to launch PHP Agency Inc., an insurance sales marketing and distribution company, and he did so before he turned 30. PHP is now one of the fastest growing companies in the financial marketplace. Patrick is passionate about shaping the next generation of leaders by teaching thought-provoking perspectives on entrepreneurship and disrupting the traditional approach to a career. Patrick's popularity surged and created a buzz in the hearts of entrepreneurs all over the world when the video, The Life of an Entrepreneur in 90 Seconds, that he created accumulated over 30 million views online. 
That video and scores of other videos comprise his library of edifying, educational, and inspiring content about entrepreneurship, which are all available now at Valuetainment, a media brand he conceived and founded. Valuetainment exists to teach about the fundamentals of entrepreneurship and personal development while inspiring people to break from limiting beliefs or other constraints and achieve their dreams. It has been referred to as the best channel for entrepreneurs. Patrick speaks on a range of business, leadership, and entrepreneur topics, including how and why to become an entrepreneur and the importance of learning how to fully process issues. He particularly is particularly passionate about the need for every individual to pursue their desires, one stating, most of the greatest world changes and heroes of all time are at the graveyard undiscovered because they never sold out to their dreams and desires. Patrick has also hosted a series of one-on-one interviews with some of the world's most interesting people, including NBA Hall of Famers, James Worthy and Magic Johnson, author, New York Times bestselling author, Robert Greene, billionaire entrepreneur and NBA team owner, Mark Cuban, uh, the late Kobe Bryant as well, Apple co-founder, Steve Wozniak, author and entrepreneur, Robert Kiyosaki, who I've had the pleasure of speaking with as well, and so many others. So what do we get to talking about on this episode of the Storybox? I'm glad you asked because Patrick and I firstly discuss why he decided to write his latest book called Your Next Five Moves, which I have right here in my hands. Um, And the reason why I waited such a long time to release this episode was I was actually waiting for these books to arrive But now that they have, I will be giving two lucky human beings the chance to win their own copy of Your Next Five Moves by Patrick Bet David. And it is so easy to enter. I've made this incredibly simple. All you need to do is one thing. Go on Apple Podcasts, if that is your uh, preferred uh, source of uh, listening platform, and leave a rating and review there. Take a screenshot of it and send it to me. You can either send it to IMJ Phantom or the Storybox podcast. Tag us in it and let us know or let me know specifically what you thought of this episode. It's a short one. It's a punchy one, but there's a lot of value to it. Okay, I try to get the most out of him as I possibly could because this man is extremely busy. So... Um, that is all you need to do and you're entered and I will be announcing the winners literally on Christmas Day. So uh, Merry Christmas to those people that actually win. <laughs> but I know you guys are going to love this episode and I thought the giveaway would also be an added incentive uh, too to say thank you for everyone that has supported the Storybox so far. If you are a fan of Patrick, I hope that you love this episode as much as I loved speaking to him and hopefully I get to speak to him more in the near future as well. But you guys know what time it is. If you do get something from it, share it around. Like I said, enjoy the episode, enjoy the competition as well. The best of luck to each and every one of you. All right, I wasted enough of your time. Let's dive into the story box and hear Patrick Bet David's next five moves or more or less his story. Good to be on. Good to be on with you. 
It's an absolute pleasure to have you here, sir. I usually ask people one question before diving into all the good stuff, which is what does success look like to you? Alignment. It's that simple for me. It's purely alignment. If my values and principles match my behavior, I'm successful. For example, if you set out a goal to say, success to me is making $150,000 a year income, having a lake house, driving a pickup truck, fishing twice a week, spending time with my kids, having dinner at five o'clock at night, and you end up having that life, and you have another person that's making 10 million a year, and you have zero envy, envy, zero jealousy, zero anything, and you're fully content and happy with that 150 a year lake house, truck, two days a week fishing, five days family, kids, five o'clock dinner, six o'clock dinner, you're good. But if you get to the 150 a year, two days fishing, you spend time with your wife and kids, and you envy other people that make 10 million a year, and you secretly want that life, then that's not success. Because you want a bigger life, you just don't want to put up the effort. So you got to figure out a way what alignment is to you. If your vision matches your behavior and your values and principle, you're successful to me. I love that. When was it for you that you realized that success for you was actually being in alignment? Was it uh, a catalyst moment for you? Or was there more of a gradual thing? No, oh, no, it was, it was a, both of them. So for me, I didn't understand that part till I was 34, 35 years old. I'm 41 right now. I had no idea what this meant because I kept going. And I'm like, how in the hell do other people not want to win as bad as, you know, what, what, what is wrong with people and what's this? And then, you know, one day uh, my dad sits me down and he says, what's the matter with you? So I said, what do you mean? He says, how many people do you think want to be who you want to be? I said, you know, what's, why are you getting so upset at everybody? That buddy of yours doesn't want to work that hard. That other guy does. All these people you want to become business partners with, they don't have the same vision that you have. Go find people that have the vision that you have. So then I sat and I said, but they're wasting their talents. Who cares? It's not on you. Mm. That's their decision that they're doing that. But, but, but dad, but how could they even do that? They got such a big upside. They have choices. You don't tell them what to do. They get to choose to what they want to do. So I'm like, oh my goodness, man. This is driving me nuts. So then I started realizing I was 33, 34 years old, and I was having a lot of anxiety attack, panic attacks, all this stuff, just a very uh, rough uh, time of my life. And one day I sat there and I said, listen, who do you want to be? What kind of a life do you want to live? And by the way, that's the whole thing about your next five moves. I wrote this book specifically because of that. The book's been out for two days. It's already a uh, Amazon or Barnes & Noble bestseller. If you go on Amazon right now, it's number one on entrepreneurship, decision-making, all this other stuff. But the first move that you make in life is knowing who you want to be and what kind of a life you want to live. What does this mean? If, if you and I can figure out, I had a, a conversation yesterday with one of our guys that works here and good guy, you know, he's a guy that grew up on the farm, simple guy, Christian guy, wife, family, the whole nine. I said, tell me what, how big of a life you want to live. He says, $200,000 a year income is good. Mm. I said, do you want that to happen? And when would you like that to happen? five years, five to 10 years. I said, what if we can speed that process up to do it in the next 12 to 18 months? Would that be important to you? Not really. Not really. No. You're serious? Yeah. How does your wife feel about it? Would your wife like to see it accelerate? Actually, no. Mm. Do you see how that's kind of like, so are you okay if you're 75 years old, you're looking back and your vision never became a reality, you just lived a regular life? I would be. He's saying this to me. I have so much respect for that. 
because he knows who he wants to be. Mm. You know, the, the problem, you know, I've had a job run an insurance company with 16,000 agents. We went from having 66 agents to now 16,000. We're in 49 states, a half a million square feet of office space nationwide. The whole nine, all this stuff that we've done, we've raised millions of dollars of money and we're now selling 11,000 policies a month, 10,000 policies a month. We used to sell only 50 policies a month. And I've known after training thousands of people that make anywhere between $50,000 a year to making 200 plus thousand dollars per month, right? One of the most difficult personalities to ever work with are ambitious, competitive, lazy people. They're the most bitter people I've ever worked with. Let me say this one more time. Mm -hmm. The most bitter people I've ever worked with is ambitious, competitive people who are lazy. They think big, they want it all. They wanna beat you, they wanna be so competitive, but they secretly are so lazy, they don't wanna pick up a book and read it. They don't wanna to get to work. They blame their mom, their dad, their sister, their husband, their wives, their kids. They blame everybody except for one person. Yeah. I can't do nothing about folks like that. There's nothing I can do about folks like that. This is why your move number one in life is figuring out who you want to be. And once you figure out who you want to be, then you can make the next necessary step. So yes, I figured that part out at around 34, 33 years old. Mm. I love how you mentioned that. And it's directing people towards purpose and, and figuring out what they actually really want in their life. Because there are a lot of people out there that do actually struggle with it. And it's not... You're right. You were 33. It's not like this one day you're 16 years old and you're going to figure out exactly what you actually want to do in life. I mean, that doesn't always happen. And a friend of mine, I was speaking to him as well. And I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on this. He's like, your purpose is not the destination. It is part of your journey. So don't ever think that for any moment that your purpose is exact, it's going to change over time, over your journey. And that's okay. And don't ever think that you're going to be good at just one thing. You can be good at so many different things. So I'm curious for you, Patrick, when you decided to write this book, how did you figure out like all these other moves at the same time? Like, did they all come to you at once? Or was it like this, I figured out the first move. Now let's figure out the next move. Yeah, it's a great question. So at this point of the game, like where I am today, I... I have my next 15, 20 moves. You know, I kind of know what I want to do. That's a whole difference because the, the reference of the book, Your Next Five Moves, uh, originally the book was called Your Next 15 Moves. The publisher say, that's too intimidating. Let's lower to five moves. But to me, when you read the first chapter, I talk about how Magnus Carlsen, there's a great documentary about this great chess player, and he's facing his hero, the number one grandmaster in the world. And he beats him as a kid. He beats him. And the other guy's looking at them like, how did you just beat me, right? And then the whole correlation becomes between an amateur chess player only know their next move. Mm. A pro knows their next three to five moves. A master knows their next five to 10 moves. And a grandmaster knows their next 15 moves. If you see most people, they're just kind of going about life and they're just like, yeah, life is cool. Yeah, it'd be great if I found a girl, you know, that I can go on dates with and maybe have some sex with. It'd be kind of cool if I got a girl and show it to my friends that I got a girl and she's pretty. And I don't know, I kind of think it makes sense. We now that have been dating for a year and a half, we should probably get engaged. And uh, I think it's time we get married because everybody's getting married. And uh, look, we've been together for three years, married for three years. I think we should have a kid. Why everyone's having a kid. My mom keeps asking if we have a kid yet. Yeah, that's not a life. Yeah, that, that, that's not a life. It's okay. Why do you want to get married? I'm sorry. Why are you getting married? 
everybody gets married. No, no, I didn't say what everybody does. Why do you want to get married? Mm. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Who told you what you're supposed to do? Mm. Why do you want to get married? Why do you want to have kids? Why, why, Why do you want to be an entrepreneur? Because everybody said they're an entrepreneur. Why do you, why, 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 why are you doing anything you're doing? So once you go from that side and you say, oh my gosh, so this is who I want to be. Okay. So if this is who you want to be, what are your next steps? Step number one, I want to be a, you know, million dollar earner, real estate agent. Okay. If that's what you want to be, what are your next steps? Number one, buy every book online that has to do with real estate with 200 plus reviews. Number one, number two, Identify the top five brokers within a 10-mile radius of where you're living at. Move number two. Number three, contact these five brokers and get a job interview with them and ask them if they're willing to hire you so you can shadow them for six to 12 months. Number four, become that person's most supportive sales rep, whatever, whatever, for the next two years. Number five. Become his number one producer afterwards and help him out on Sunday, Saturdays. Move number six, make him half a million dollar year income and then ask for equity in the company. Number seven, if he says no, leave and start your own real estate. Do you see how this kind of works? This is sequencing. So first, I want to be a million dollar earner real estate agent. Great. Let's move number one. Go buy the books. So that's the sequencing part on what you put together, right? And that's the part that most people don't do. This is why it says your next five moves. So for me, where I'm at right now, I'll tell you a story. I was 28 years old. I'm at Pebble Beach. We're golfing. And I took my mentor at the time, uh, a pastor of mine at that time with me on this trip because I wanted to know whether I should stay in this company or leave and start my own company. Most people had no clue why I took him there. So I took him and I had him to see all the different cultures and the people that were there. And then one day we're sitting down and we're at a bar and one of the guys that was a top earner at the company making $3 million a year says, Pat, at what age do you think you'll be worth $100 million? I'm like, oh, no one's ever asked me this question before. At the time, I'm probably worth a million, okay? $2 million. Not a lot of money. I'm getting it going, but nothing crazy yet. I said, I think I'll have $100 million by 40 years old. You see, you think so? Yeah. Why? In my mind, I'm just doubling. If I double a million, $2 million, $4 million, $8 million, yeah, I'll be worth 100 million by 40. And he's like, why are you so certain about it? Because everybody's kind of like, well, I think maybe like 100 million by 40. By 40, I'm worth $120 million. I'm 41 right now. And our company in the last five months had the biggest profitable months, all this other stuff, right? So one, I had the goal. Then it was sequencing. I brought a mentor to see, do I stay here or do I go and leave my own startup, my own company? On the flight back, he says, don't leave yet. Stay another year and kind of says, because this could still work out. I stayed a year. year later, I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this. John Wooden dies. I go to the hospital that John Wooden dies. I meet him. We have a deeper conversation. Six months later, I start my own company. So these are, these are sequencing, right, that you go through. So once you figure out this game, and the easiest way to play this game is grab a paper and pen and say, I want to get married. How do I find my ideal wife? Number one, what is an ideal wife? I have no clue. Why don't you go read a book, Okay. 101 questions to ask before you get engaged. Number two, once you know what kind of a girl you're looking for, why don't you tell everybody you know what you're looking for? Number three, so you see how that works out. Just play that game and eventually get better at this whole, your next five. And actually you'll start having a lot of fun if you play this game. So that's kind of how it happened for me. 
So I'm curious about what happens if you make these plans, right? You make all these, you write them all down. These are going to be my next moves. But what happens if they don't actually work out the way you envisioned them to actually work out? Great question. They're not going to, just so you know that. that <laughs> a general said, we're going to go kill the enemy. So yeah. what's the most important uh, uh, part of my statement? We're going to kill the enemy. What's the goal? Kill the enemy. Okay. Then your sergeant major is going to ask you the next question, which is what? How are we going okay. to kill the enemy? <laughs> then a good general with his sergeant major and his captains and his majors and his colonels is going to say, here's how we're going to do it. If we attack this way, if they do this, we do this. If we attack this way, if we do this, they do this. If we attack this way, they do this, we do this. If we attack this way, they do this, we do this. If we team up with them and do a proxy war, if they do this, we do this. And we have to be ready for it. So why don't we send 20,000 of our soldiers this way, 8,000 this way, 7,000 this way, 3,000 this way, put 18 snipers at that unit this way. So if they attack, so the thought becomes being ready to pivot and call audibles and adjustments. It's never going to be number one, number two. No, because you don't know the reaction of what other people are going to do. You don't know what's going to happen to the climate. You don't know what's going to happen to a pandemic. You don't know what kind of a crisis is going to come up. A 9-11, a war, a market crisis, a you know, new election, a Republican president, a Democrat, you don't know that stuff. But a part of a grandmaster is, as you're making your moves, you also know the right audibles to make when there are surprises. Mm. That's also a part of the strategy. Mm. So speaking about that as well, I'm curious, like the one thing that keeps coming up into my mind, because Patrick, I'm a Christian, and I, I believe whenever I make decisions in my life, I, I pray about it, I've got four Ps. The first one is persistence. Second one is prayer. Third one is perseverance. And the, and the last one is patience. So speaking about all those, those P's, being, being prayerful in my next decision, I want to ask you, uh, because you mentioned you, you went and saw a pastor one time, are you a man of faith? And has it impacted all your decision-making with your next moves, with business, with just life? I mean, you see the cross I'm wearing, right? If yes. I'm ashamed of it, I would hide this and I would go like this so you don't know what I'm wearing. I put it out. It's very simple. I mean, whether you want to take it as a subliminal message or not, I would not be where I was an atheist 25 years of my life. You need to know that part. Uh, I was raised in a communist family with an imperialist dad. And if you've seen the things I've seen and lived the life you've lived, it's very hard to believe in a God. I lived in Iran, saw a bunch of wars, and I lived at a refugee camp in Germany and wasn't pretty. I saw the dark side of a lot of people. And when I joined the army, there was this old man. When I went away for a camp was scoring high on my PT exam, we had to do one hour of spending time with this man at this camp for three days. And it's a lake house. And it was only six of us. And we could go play billiards. But I had to listen to him do Bible study for one hour. And it was so boring for me because I had no desire to hear anybody talking about God. And he would do this every night. And then he eventually at the end of the camp, he said, look, son, I think you need this Bible more than I do. This was given to me on December 24th of 1974. I have the Bible till today. He says, I think you need it more than I. I said, sir, I'm telling you, I don't need it. I'm not going to read it. He said, just take it. So I took it. I walked away. From September of 97 till today, I probably prayed 90% of the days. I prayed three times a day because of this man. And my prayer started like this. I said, I don't believe in God. I don't think you exist. I think it's fake. I think it's something to make people feel good. But I'm going to pray anyways. And this is the way I'm going to pray. God, if you're out there, here's where I'm at. This is what I'm dealing with right now. Okay. Today, this happened. I didn't like it. That happened. I didn't know what the answer was. I'm kind of feeling lonely. I wish my mom and dad were here. I'd like to spend time with this. I'm not with a girl. I wish I had a girl to talk that 
So I just kind of started going through this at 18 years old, lonely guy, insecure, self-esteem low. You have no idea what the whole purpose of life is. You're in Kentucky, Tennessee. There's no Middle Easterns out there. You're all by yourself trying to figure this thing out. Every other week, I'm getting to a big fight. And I went from there. And then eventually, I made a decision. And I can tell you today, everything that's happened in my life, because I fully believe there's a higher calling that has my back. And it's helped me make better decisions in my life. Okay, sounds good. Love that. So I've got a couple more questions for you, David, if you don't mind. This, this one I've only asked to a couple of people before, but I'm curious about your response on it. What was the lesson that you learned when you earned your first million dollars? The lesson that I learned? The lesson so I've been asked this question before, and I will tell you, I, um, it, this may not be what you want your audience to hear or what you want me to say, but it wasn't a big deal to me. And I know it's, it's going to sound very pompous or arrogant or cocky or any of that stuff. To me, it was part of the process. I was more excited the first time I had $50,000 in the bank, believe it or not. When I had $10,000 in the bank the first time when I got out of the army, that was a lot of money to me. Mm. When I cracked $100,000, it was exciting. But once I figured out the formula, it was just a matter of time. Like a million was coming, you know, 10 million was coming, 100 million, because it's a formula. It's expected. It's supposed to happen. But the first 10, 50, 100 was a very big deal. A million wasn't a big deal. Mm. Wow. <laughs> um, I'm curious about risk-taking. So what was the biggest risk that you've ever taken in your life and why did you take it? Getting married is probably the biggest risk you'll take um, because you are already living a life of barely getting along with yourself. Then you decide to marry another person that doesn't get along with themselves all the time. Mm. And then you decide to try to make your parents get along with her parents. And then you try to figure out a way to get your siblings to get along with her siblings. And then you decide to have kids and you try to figure each other out, yourself out. And now you got a kid without a manual. Then you try to do that two times and three times. It's the biggest risk I ever took is getting married. Okay. Mm. Now you also know the bigger risk, the bigger the reward. Life wouldn't be the same without the kids and the family that I have today. Mm. The second biggest risk I took in 09 is when I left a very, very great, steady position. I was on track for making millions of dollars per year. And I decided to start my own company. It was a very big risk. Uh, I took all my savings and I put into it. It's a whole story I talk about in this book, your next five minutes about it on what happened with me and the lawsuits and all that other stuff, which I go into exactly how we process the issue on $400 billion company sue me when I'm 29, 30 years old. And uh, it, was, it was a scary thought because I was going to go bankrupt and I was going to lose everything. We were 13 months into the company, a year into the company, I got $13,000 left in my checking account and no one knows. My wife, no one knows. I'm just trying to keep uh, everything good. So personal life, Marriage, business life is starting uh, the insurance company and risking my steady income that had coming in. Mm, I like those, man. So my last two questions for you, this one is my legacy question that I love asking people at the end. So you've been able to reach the age of 100 and your friends have put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how they got it. We'll call it magic, but they just did. And they've shown it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Just want him to roast the hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I really do because my guys are, they're such good roasts. You know, they just want to 
well, Pat does this or PBD does this and he does that or that one time you did this and they make fun of all this other stuff. But I love to see the the moments we've had and, you know, uh, the, the incredible um, challenges we overcame together as a group, as a family, as individuals. But, you know, th- that would probably be at the top. Mm, I like it, man. Love a good roast. <laughs> but, yes. Yeah. yeah. My last question for you is... Um, if you could ask a question to anyone alive or dead, who would it be? Why? And what question would you ask them? I mean, there's a lot of them, but uh, uh, one of them would be to the Shah of Iran. Why did you leave Iran when the revolution started? Why don't you just stay put? Um, that would be uh, one question I would ask. If it was uh, uh, with Hitler, I would say, why were you, what did the Jew community ever do to you? I've heard 50 different stories about you. And mind cook and all this other stuff. What, what, what do you, what were you thinking? Like, I understood you thought like the greatest genes in the world was Norway, people from Norway or Germany, but what does that have to do with going after a community like that? What did they say to you? What is it we don't know about you that was a dark side? Were you publicly embarrassed? Did a girl break your heart? What happened there? Were you publicly humiliated by a Jew kid that you helped that? Because nothing makes sense. What was that all about? Like, what were you doing? Anyways. And then I got like millions of other questions like that, but those would be a couple weird ones I just asked you. They're, they're great questions. I think I'd ask probably the same thing, especially the same people that you mentioned. It's just crazy to think, right? Um, where can people find you, Patrick? Where can people buy your book? Why should they buy your book in the first place? Um, and, and yeah. Yeah, so they can find the, the book on Amazon, Your Next Five Moves. You don't have to buy the book. You, you buy it if you want someone to give you uh, what's worked for them to identify their next five moves. Mm. And I think this book can help you with that. And people can follow you on social media. Where can they find you on social media? They'll, they'll, you can put the links below. They'll be able to find me on Instagram, Twitter. I'm pretty easy to find. You just look for Patrick Bay David and you'll find me. Thank you so much, Patrick, for your time today. I've got so Thank many you, more questions for you, but so little time. Really appreciate you, man. Can't wait Thank to actually dive into your book. Awesome. Keep it up. Take care. Thank you so much. Be my friend. Take care. I don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another incredible story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you'd like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on any podcast platform. It's that easy. If you did get something from our guest today, please share it around to a friend or family member that you think could benefit from hearing this powerful story. And before you go, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It will only take 30 seconds and it'll go towards reaching more people. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one. Your support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you next time. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.